Would you be my? Could you be my neighbor? This is Locked on A's. How you doing? You are Locked on A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, you're back. Good to see you. And thanks for making Locked On A's your first listen every day. Of course, this is the place to be for all the athletics news and views. If you're a first timer, hello, I'm Wayne Coy. I'm your host uh, and I'm an athletic supporter since I knew what a baseball was. I mean, since I was a little, little guy and a media dude for a lot of years, too. Happy to be behind a microphone, as usual, with lots to talk about today. We'll tell you that this episode of Locked on A's is brought to you by Sleeper. Yeah, Sleeper wants you to swing for the fences on Sleeper picks. You can win up to 100 times your money. Just download the Sleeper app. It's pretty cool, really. Give it a shot. And when you do that, make sure you use the promo code, very important, Locked on. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, locked on, and you are going to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions do apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Sleeper currently operational in 30 states. I'm in a state of, I don't know what you call it, I'm jonesing a little bit for baseball. We had all that activity, and uh, now it's all set up. Everybody knows who's going to be playing where, and we'll get into the playoffs in detail coming up in just a minute uh, as we wait until Sunday to get back at it again. But after the A's announced uh, their intent you know, to head to the Valley of the Sun here to get away from Oakland and Howard Terminal and uh, move on, go to uh, Las Vegas, after that was announced, they said no more parallel paths. Well, from that point forward, really, the most reliable source of A's news, besides Locked on A's, of course, come on, besides that would be the Las Vegas Review Journal. Psych. Of course, it's not the RJ at all. No, it's the Nevada Independent. They're the ones that are giving us that news kind of from an unbiased perspective, sort of have lost all respect, really, for the Review Journal, and I'm not ashamed to say that, but... I just think that there's a lot of a lot of puff journalism going on over there, and I like the independent. Well, they just got together and had a, a convention called Indie Fest, and Howard Stutz, who's kind of their main reporter there, along with Tabitha Muller, they're the two that have been kind of keeping us up to date all the way back since like April, if you remember that. Well, last Friday, they had this panel, and the moderator was Howard, and they had a, a panel full of people who were all involved in Las Vegas sports. In fact, the name of the panel was uh, Business in Sports. Sports and Business. Anyway, something like that. Uh, it included former Raiders president, Mark Bedane. He's not with him anymore, but he was in Oakland and was always part of the team as they moved to Vegas. Uh, now he's working on that brand new 20,000 seat arena that a lot of people are saying, arena, 20,000 seats? Sounds like an NBA home to me. I think that's the idea. Shh. Anyway, Mark's on the panel. So is uh, Nikki, Nikki Fargus. She is president of the WNBA champion, Las Vegas Aces. Boy, they're a great basketball team. And uh, Derek England, former 
Vegas Golden Knight. He was here from the very inception, and now he's a special advisor to the team. Well, about 17 minutes into the discussion, Howard Stutz asked the panel a pretty, a pretty important question as it relates to the A's. Where does a 33,000-seat baseball stadium fit in in the Vegas sports pantheon? He didn't say pantheon. I did because it's a fancy word, and I like to try it out every now and again. Uh, it's no secret that the A's and the Raiders really don't like each other, and this goes all the way back to having to share the Coliseum, which they kind of did from the outset. The Raiders moved in. They were the first tenants in 1966, but two years later, the A's came, and They've been sharing that stadium ever since, along with concerts and, you know, monster trucks and whatever else happens to be on the field there at uh, at the Oakland Alameda County Coliseum, which is what I'll always call it. No Odaco, no McAfee, no none of that. It's the Oakland Alameda County Coliseum. Sorry. Uh, anyway, they, they just don't like each other. And, th and that's not been anything that's, you know, been hidden. I think Mark Davis especially has kind of, uh, let it be known. The deal is, as I understand it, uh, Mark wanted to build a new Raiders stadium right there at uh, 880 and uh, 66th. You know, and he said, this is our home. We think there's plenty of room, which there is, in the Coliseum parking lot. And how about we just build a brand new stadium here? Well, the A's uh, then up their lease 10 more years, and that basically told the Raiders, too bad, so sad, because, you know, they own half of that property, right? So um, Mark left in 2019. First looked like he was going to L.A., then he ended up in Vegas. But uh, Bedane was asked what he thought. He was the first person to, uh, to speak. First, he said, can you ask everybody else first and then come back to me? <laughs> and that didn't happen. So uh, he started to speak, and once he did, boy, what did he say? Uh, quote here, the issues between the Raiders and the A's are pretty well documented. Frankly, I think Mark Davis was diplomatic. Okay. This is a small industry. You compete on the field, but you expect a level of honesty and professionalism that just didn't exist, end quote. And then uh, after taking a breath, he continued, quote, I would hope that the work has been done to study the market, because I think it's a little more challenging. And then he spoke specifically about the regional sports television network and the size of the market. The quote was, this is not a huge market for that, and you're going to have to sell 2.5 million tickets per year. That's not easy. End quote. Yeah, if you were watching you know, the hearings that went on before the stadium uh, funding got passed, they were saying, oh, you know, we're going to project that we're going to sell this place out. And at the time, it was 30,000 seats. Now it's 33,000. And they're saying that they've got to sell them out, like every game. Doesn't matter if it's a Wednesday against the Minnesota Twins. They got to sell it out. Pittsburgh Pirates, sell it out. Cleveland Guardians, sell it out. You get what I'm saying. I get the Yankees. I get the Red Sox, you know, the Cubs. I get that. But they're saying that they got to sell it out every single day or close to be able to hit their numbers. 2.5 million tickets. Uh, Mr. Bedane is right. That's a lot of tickets. So then they went to Fargus, asked her uh, her opinion, and she wriggled right off the hook. This was her quote. She said, Mark's answer, meaning 
I completely agree with Bedane. And then uh, Stutz kind of changed it up a little bit before he passed it over to England for an answer. He said uh, uh, he wanted to know whether it would be better for the A's to move to Vegas or for Las Vegas to get an expansion baseball team. And his reply was, quote, I think at the end of the day, you have to put a product out there that's going to sell. End quote. Of course, John Fisher and his teammates, uh, Dave Cavill, Steve Hill, and uh, for the record, Jeremy Aguero, all have said at one time or another that the team is going to spend a bunch of money once they get here. Don't you worry about it. We're going to be competitive. Las Vegas, what was the line? Las Vegas doesn't like losers. We're going to put it all on the players and the team and give you a great product. That's what they've been saying. Said the team's going to spend that money once they're here. And, of course, they have their new taxpayer-funded stadium. And if you believe that, well, then I've got some swampland right over off of Tropicana I'd like to sell you because uh, it just isn't going to happen. Leopards and their spots. You've heard that, right? Oh, by the way, the uh, public statements that were made by the Raiders owner, Mark Davis, that you heard Mr. Bedane refer to uh, in his little uh, comment there at the panel. It was a little comment, his comment, sorry. Uh, Bedane characterized it as diplomatic. And if you remember, it was all printed back in April. What did Mark Davis say? Well, he said, and I quote, this is diplomatic, by the way. He said, the slogans they've been using have been a slap in the face of the Raiders. I'm pretty sure that he was talking about the whole rooted in Oakland thing, right? Then he continued, quote, they were trying to win over with that type of mentality in the Bay Area. Well, all they did was the Bay Area. I'm not going to say that word, but he did, end quote. Davis's grudge, of course, goes very deep, and it's uh, regarding all those events that led to the Raiders and their eventual move. So he's however you want to say it, he's holding a bit of a grudge. He said, quote, I won't forget what they did to us in Oakland. They squatted on a lease for 10 years and they made it impossible for us to build on that stadium. And he means, or end quote, and he means on that stadium site, of course. But you know, as far as I'm concerned, we're all one big happy family here. If the A's come, let's get the welcome wagon. And, you know, like we said at the outset, Mr. Rogers, you're more than welcome. Won't you be my neighbor? The MLB playoffs are absolutely here and absolutely rocking. I was riveted watching the uh, Philadelphia Phillies and their games against the Atlanta Braves. That was a lot of, uh, you know, edgier seat stuff, just explosive baseball. And that's what you want in the postseason. But, you know, with the clock ticking, it means so is the chance for you to win 100 times your cash on daily Fantasy baseball. You know, baseball has never really been more exciting than it is right now. The rule changes to a great degree, I think, have improved the game. I don't know if you agree or not, but it's sure fun watching Bryce Harper and Zach Gallen and Marcus Semien and uh, Jose Altuve and everybody else that's still playing in the postseason, and you can get involved. You can bet on things like uh, home runs and hits and strikeouts, and you can get paid a 100 times your, your money. On Sleeper, get your picks right and you could win really big. Entries can be made in under a minute or two. Very easy. Just use the promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On, and you are going to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions do apply, of course. See Sleeper's terms of use for all the details. You know, it is kind of weird, though, right, watching or baseball, 
for all those days in a row. And then all of a sudden, you're like jonesing because there isn't any, and you got to wait. Well, we do have to wait until Sunday. Stage is set, though, AL and NL Championship Series. Sunday night, of course, it's going to be all eyes on Texas as the Texas Rangers take on the Houston Astros. Those games will be played at least the first two anyway at Minute Maid Park. Uh, That's the beginning of the ALCS. It's going to be Jordan Montgomery, the lefty that gets the ball for the Texas Rangers, and A's killer senior citizen Justin Verlander, well, by baseball standards anyway. Uh, He'll be hurling for the hometown Astros. And I'll be hurling if he does what he usually does. I'm not a, I'm kind of a fan because I like Kate Upton. All right, the NLCS kicks off on Monday night, of course, the next day. And that'll be Arizona against Philadelphia in Philly. Look for that crowd to be absolutely electric. 17-game winner Zach Gallen is pitching for those Arizona Diamondbacks. And as of this recording, the Phillies have not yet named a starter. So we'll wait and see who that's going to be. Uh, Days off topics, though. What do you talk about when you have no baseball game to report on, right? Um, Well, a lot, apparently. The playoff schedule, you got still people griping and complaining and saying, hey, because of this, the way that it's set up with this new wild card team and uh, the best teams in baseball are sitting around for five days and they get cold and then they all lose. Well, it's true. There are three teams that won 100 games that are not moving on. So I don't know. I don't know if the playoff structure really was an issue. Even if it is, can you use that as an excuse, though, if you lose? I don't think so. Uh, What else are you talking about? Well, how about Nick Castellanos? Yeah, there's a deep drive. Uh, Power display, and then some, right? The guy hit four home runs in the last two games, uh, and a couple of those were bombs. And he also let go of a bomb or two, like F-bombs, live on TV when the uh, Phillies were celebrating their victory. Bryce Harper, of course, a big part of that series. Part of it for something that happened completely off the field, and then he dodged a bullet on the field. If you saw that, I don't know if you did, but uh, our former first baseman, Matt Olson, chug, chug, chugging down the line, trying to make it to first base. A little bit of a delay getting the ball over to first, And in that time, you know, I don't know what happened, but Bryce Harper found himself positioned where he had his hand or his, you know, his arm kind of dangling in the base path. And as Matt ran by, his big old Matt Olson knee got Bryce Harper right in the elbow. And it's the same elbow that he had surgery on during the offseason. That's a scare. If you're a Phillies fan or just a baseball fan, you want Bryce Harper in the playoffs. Playoffs? Yeah, you do. Of course you do. Um, So everybody was a little worried, but right after the game in the clubhouse, he was asked about it. He addressed it. He said, no big deal. It's my funny bone. It's going to be okay. Not very funny, but it's his funny bone. But speaking of Bryce, there was still some fallout over what Orlando Arcia said from the uh, Braves. Made some post-game comments right after the Braves' only win in the series, which is back uh, on Monday night, game two. Uh, Jake Mintz from Fox Sports was in the clubhouse along with like 12 other reporters and apparently overheard uh, Arcia laughing and yelling at a boy Harper. And that was a reference to, um, you know, when, when Bryce tried to get back, had to get back and then ended up getting doubled off at first base because he had already rounded second on his way to third. There was a great catch and throw. And of course, as you know, it ended up being a walk off and he got doubled up. Okay, so because of that, apparently that's where Attaboy Harper came from. 
And the reporter, one of them that was in the uh, clubhouse, that was Jake Mintz, who I told you is from Fox Sports. Well, he reported that, that he heard that while he was in there. And apparently that stuck a little bit under Bryce's craw. Arcia wasn't happy either. In fact, he defended his comment. He said, you know, that was supposed to be off the record. What happens in the clubhouse stays in the clubhouse. And I certainly wasn't talking to reporters there. So that was his point. Well, I don't know if you've ever heard the expression, don't poke the bear because you might wake him up. But that's exactly the way this thing went down. Because again, Bryce wasn't real happy when he heard about it secondhand, even though there was no direct comment, no taunting, no language or anything like that. You know what you call it? You call it motivation. And Harper then turned around in the very next game and hit two home runs off of Atlanta pitching. And uh, those home runs went a long, long way. And of course, it was a win for Philly. So that's the end of the story, right? Wrong. It's, it's not over. Of course not. Atlanta Rizzo, you know her, uh, MLB Network. She's on high heat. And uh, she's talking to Mad Dog Russo. Talking is an understatement because she really wasn't talking. She had a major issue with the fact that uh, Mince was in there and that he had shared that. So lots of vitriol that she shared with the world. And it came out like this, quote, this is just part of it. And then some jack off comes in at the end of the season that gets a credential. God only knows why. And the clubhouse is a sacred place, end quote. Well, it took about a nano, no, it took about a half a nanosecond for Twitter, for the internet as a whole, all of social media to completely blow up. Comments very hypercritical of uh, Rizzo over what she said, that she was way, way, way out of line, painting a colleague, basically, Mintz, as an amateur. I mean, she called him a, she called him a blogger, a podcaster. Hey, I resemble that remark. Anyway, uh, the fact that he was allowed into the clubhouse, she didn't like that. So the Baseball Writers Association of America, which, by the way, Mintz is a member of, quickly defended him, in fact, uh, in, in a pretty long letter, and said, look, we got his back and scolded Rizzo for what she said and said she should apologize for, quote, both unprofessional and unacceptable behavior. Ooh, shots fired and shots landed. And then this morning, Rizzo returned to MLB Network and apologized. What did she say? She said, quote, I want to give a very heartfelt apology to Jake Mintz and the entire BBWAA. Jake was completely, or I said yesterday, what I said, sorry, let me back up. What I said yesterday about Jake was completely inappropriate. It was inaccurate and it was beyond unprofessional I was caught up in the moment, end quote. Okay, that was her apology. Everybody said she needs to apologize, and she did. And, you know, it would be very easy and maybe even expected that a 40-plus-year professional broadcaster, now podcaster, um, would pile on Rizzo over what she did, like right now. Like I would, you know, put my ears back and go. But I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'd just like to say that owning up to a mistake, wearing it the way that she did, being as humble and full of humility as she was, regardless of your opinion of her as a person, she did exactly the right thing in exactly the right forum, which was exactly where she said what she said in the first place. So she went right back to the scene of the crime, so to speak, 
and apologized. And that's what you wanted her to do, and that's what she did. And I don't think, well, I'm sure her PR people or her handlers said you better apologize. But beyond that, I think you could tell that she was very sincere. And so with that, I say we move on and, you know, get back to baseball. Let's play some ball. And we will Sunday and Monday. We start both series. Well, speaking of playing ball, how about we play some football? Are you ready for some football? America's number one sports book is FanDuel. And right now, a new customer that could be you. Maybe you haven't done it yet. Maybe you've thought about getting the app, but you've yet to throw your hat in the ring. Well, listen, you get $200 in bonus bets when you bet. You're not going to believe this. You're going to say, yeah, right. But I'm going to say it anyway. Five, five dollars. And it ain't a foot long. Okay, it's just five bucks that you bet and you're going to get up to $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Actually, you'll get $200 with your $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose, doesn't matter. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, I'm here to tell you that's probably right now. That's the good time to do it. There's a wide range of betting options. Of course, you can you can bet the spreads, which is kind of what everybody does, but that's okay. Uh, the player props are fun, you know. Um, missed field goals, uh, who's going to be wearing what. Uh, They got some crazy bets. Overs, unders, it's all right there for you at fanduel.com slash locked on. And kick off the NFL season if you haven't already. Uh, You know, what are we, four games in? Let's go. FanDuel, it's the way to make football fun. And they are an official partner of the National Football League. All right, with their three to nothing loss to the... uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, it it was ugly. The L.A. Dodgers set a record, and it's a record that nobody basically would ever want, but they set it, and that record is, that record is most wins by a team in three seasons consecutive without a World Series appearance. Yay, Dodgers, you're in the record books. No, you don't want to be proud of that one. Seattle Mariners are second. They did it... uh, 2001 till 2003 with 302 wins. And right behind them, like one win behind them, comes your and my Oakland Athletics with 301 wins in that same exact time period that the Mariners were winning, uh, 2001 to 03. So I went back and I looked. I was like, okay, we were good, right? I mean, how good were we, though? I think because of the playoff loss, you tend to kind of just forget about it. You know, it's sort of like, uh, you know, the old days, you know, 88, 89, and 90. Well, the one you remember is the one they won, right? 89, 88, you're like, yeah, Kirk Gibson. 1990, you're like, the Reds rolled all over us. So you forget those, and you just think about the good stuff. Well, I think in the case of the, uh, the Ots A's, let's just call them that, 2001 to 2003, all those wins, 301, they had a pretty dang good team. They were 102 and 60 in 2001, second in the American League West, and then they lost the division series three games to two. Slide, Jeremy, slide. Jeter in the right place. Yeah, they lost to the Yankees, and we all remember that. Still kind of hurts to talk about, right? 2002, 103 and 59. And if you saw Moneyball, that was the year of the streak. They won 20 in a row, finished first in the American League West, lost that ALDS to the Twins three games to two. And in 2003, not quite as many wins, 96 that year. 
They were 96 and 66, and they finished first in the West. And then they lost the ALDS again, three games to two. And we talked about this series the other day. That was the miraculous comeback of those Boston Red Sox. We had them right where we wanted them, I think, down 0-2. And then here they come. They won three straight, and that was that. So then I went and I, I went a little further, and I was like, I, re, I recall them being good, but I kind of needed a refresher. I mean, I remember the players, but you know, to really sit and look at, at stats and who played the most games at each position, really good team. And we should give them all the props in the world, even if they didn't win a World Series or even make it to one. Catcher Ramon Hernandez, pretty much a stalwart for the whole thing. First base was Jason Giambi. And then Scott Hatterberg, remember? Playing first base. Billy Bean told him in the movie. You saw that. Nothing to it. It's easy. Tell him, Wash. It's extremely difficult. Yeah. Hatterberg, the picking machine. He played first uh, after Jason Giambi went to New York. Frank Menachino, second base. And then a guy who stuck around for a long time. Uh, out of Rapid City, South Dakota, Mr. Mark Ellis. Yeah, he played uh, a lot in 2003. Uh, shortstop was, of course, an MVP, Miguel Tejada. Miggy was there for the whole run. Same for Eric Chavez at third base. Left field was uh, Terrence Long, and then it was David Justice, and then it was Terrence Long because David Justice wasn't there anymore. Johnny Damon in center, replaced by Terrence Long. And then Chris Singleton in 2003. Right fielder all the way through, Jermaine Dye, great player. And the DH was Sly, Jeremy Sly, Jeremy Giambi, Ray Durham, and Irubio Durazo, who just seemed like he could hit, fall out of bed and get a base hit, right? Dude was awesome. Starting pitching, it's usually where it begins and it ends. And that was a good time to be an Oakland A's pitcher, especially if your name was Tim Hudson, who I think should be at least considered for the Hall of Fame. Don't forget Mark Mulder and Barry Zito, Hudson Mulder, Zito. They were like a three-headed monster. There was always another pitcher usually that got some wins and helped them out behind that. And in this case, Corey Lytle, who we talked about the other day on the anniversary of his tragic death in that airplane accident. Corey Lytle was a heck of a piece. Really helped him win some games to get to the playoffs. And Ted Lilly, a veteran left-hander. And then Rich Harden, who had a great fastball, all the potential in the world, but just couldn't stop walking people. And that ended up being his undoing. Now, what's interesting when you get to the bullpen is, I mean, you had the names that were pretty much there throughout the run. Jim Messier, uh, Chad Bradford, the submariner. You had Jeff Tam. And, of course, don't forget the star of Moneyball, Ricardo Rincon. Ricardo was an amazing lefty. We picked him up from Cleveland. Um, but beyond those guys, you know, closer, right? I mean, A's are kind of known for closers. And these teams were no exception. The crazy thing is, and I forgot this, they had a different person in that role all three of those years. 2001, do you remember who it was? If you said Jason Isringhausen, you'd be right. Yep, Jason Isringhausen with 40, or no, 34 saves in 2001. Then we got into the 40s the next year. Billy Koch with a heck of a year in 2002. He saved 44 games for the A's. And then in 03, it was Keith Folk's job. And uh, he did a great job doing his job, saving 43 in 2003. So again, you look at that and you go, 
you know what? They're even better than I remember. It's just because you didn't get to the dance. You didn't make that big impression. But I think they were good enough to get a ring. And you know the playoffs, Billy Bean has said famously that you play to win in the regular season and then the postseason, as you can see this year, is a crapshoot. Just kind of is. Hey, some room on the 40-man roster now because three players were outrighted. James Caprellian, Sam Long, and pitcher uh, or catcher uh, Carlos Perez. Sorry, pitcher James Caprellian, pitcher Sam Long, and catcher Carlos Perez, veteran catcher. All three outrighted to Las Vegas. Here's the deal with Caprellian. Um, he can't reject um, at all the outright. It's just because of how long he's played. Uh, he will qualify, though, for a minor league free agency. So there's that. And that, of course, has to wait until the fifth day after the World Series. Once the series is over five days later, he can qualify to be a minor league free agent. Uh, he's got parts of seven seasons in the minors, so that's why. Caprellian, kind of like we're talking about with Rich Harden, just lots of potential, but just not throwing strikes. And, you know, that at the end of the day is what it's all about. Uh, same with Long, uh, control issues, and he can't reject his assignment either. He's been outrighted. He'll be a minor league free agent. And then Perez can pretty much elect free agency anytime he wants to, right away, if he feels like it. He was arbitration eligible, and he was projected to get somewhere around 1.2, 1.3 mil if he was going to sign with the A's, but that's not happening, and all the other teams passed as well. So outrighted the following three players, James Caprellian, Sam Long, and Carlos Perez. And we'll see if they end up back with us. It's happened before. Were you, uh, were you here yesterday? Are you going to be here tomorrow? If that's the case, I'm going to go right out on a limb and call you an everydayer. And I love the fact that you're here. Let us know that in the comments, would you, that you're here every day. And of course, anything you want to talk about, throw that in there. I just love the give and take. And it's awesome to, to be able to interact with you. Now, if you're listening and not watching, of course, uh, the comment section wouldn't apply. But you know what does? Quick tweet if you want to. Just get right at me. You can DM me. Uh, it's at Locked On A's. Okay? Do that. Either way, we're going to always be here for you talking about your favorite team. That's what we do on the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, listen, thanks for being around. I'm Wayne Coy. We'll get together again soon. And until we do that, I want you to keep on swinging.